Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Well, again, it would have been something you'd have always regretted. If I hadn't. If you hadn't. Yeah, but it's just the, the way it came uh, yeah. around. It's not you. On. It's not me. It's not you. But, yeah, you know, it was again, it was the right move. But fate. Fate and how, just how you got there at the end of the day was, was a little bit yeah. of entertainment. Glad you went there because you've had a great yeah. time there, haven't you? Yeah, listen, you know, you know how I said that he was pretty chilled out when we sat down, had a cup of tea, having a chat, a couple of sandwiches. Fucking forget that. Was that just for that? Fucking for that man. meeting. Jesus, you know to talk about. Don't get me wrong; I've never seen Charles Ferguson give the hair dryer, but this hair dryer was on fucking turbo charge. What from Martin O'Neill? Oh my god, mate! I, what, I listened to man. his autobiography. It was brilliant. What a man! I mean. What's a guy? What and um, what a team, you know. Yeah. You're just gonna. T- I'm gonna say yeah. some of the players: Savage, yeah. Lennon, Collymore, Flowers. Yeah, because he was a great goalie. Wasn't oh, he? phenomenal! Steve Guppy. Guppy. Did he yeah. come from Wickham? Did he take him with him? Yeah. Yes. No, no, he went no. from Wickham. Uh, he actually went from Wickham to Newcastle, and then from Newcastle to Port Vale. But he knew him from his Wickham days. Because he he was like unsung him, wasn't he? Yeah. Quality, quality, quality from across from that. Is it though? You were good with, Is it? with Lennon, was it? There was a class then, yeah. wasn't Heskey. Yeah. As well. Yeah, Heskey. No, it was a quote. This is from Martin O'Neill. Claridge, yeah. Claridge had just left when I joined. He just left. Yeah. I don't know if it's true, but this is Martin O'Neill. He says, hey, come <coughs> in and his team talk at our time. Can you stop passing the ball to Savage? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said. Don't know what well, game about. John will tell you. Any footballer worth of salt will tell you, you know, we wanted, we like to play under Colin Torrey, we wanted to play football. If you give the ball away, you're the first one to go and get it back. And they're always drilling to you, don't give the ball away. Don't give the ball away. And if you're the first one to give it away, you go and, get, you go and win it back. Apart from, obviously, John McGinley and Tony Cotty, there's only certain <laughs> players in a team. But everybody else, us mere mortals, if you give the ball away... It's your fault, number one. Number two, you have to make sure you win it back as quick as possible. 
you know, you know all this gag and pride, and they all come out with all that. That's going back yeah. decades, man. Decades. Seriously. This is nothing new. It's just a bit more organised than when we used to do it. That's all. No, but we spoke about it before. It was, the terminology's changed. That's yeah, all. Yeah, that's all it is. That terminology, is yeah. Press closing down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm a... I'm pretty new to the Martin O'Neill experience, shall we call it, in Leicester. And I, so I'm still getting, I've still got my, if you've got time and space, give it to a blue shirt, right? If you get it to a blue shirt, you, you haven't given it away. It's not my fault, right? If he gives it away, it's his fucking fault, Absolutely. not mine. Now, you ask 99.9% .9 of every professional footballer, they'll tell you absolutely spot on. Not Martin O'Neill. Right? So we get to half time. We're playing Arsenal at Fulbright Street. And I've passed this ball into Sav. It gets to Savage. Savage then tries to do something fucking stupid. Patrick Vieira takes it off and plays it into Sylvan Wiltord. Will Tord has a shot. Tim Flowers has to pull off this. Tips it round the post or tips it over the bar for a corner. I can't remember. And I'm thinking, fucking hell. Right, so we get sent at half time. And it's still 0-0, I think, at this stage. And so Martin used to come in the dressing room and, you know, fucking intense character, man. I mean... You won't think so. Oh, man. Oh, I'm would. telling you, this is what I'm saying. This is... Fuck. So... And he used to come in from the left, and I would sit, say I'm sat here, it would be Tim Flowers there, then me, then Savage, and then they'd all go all the way around. But it was Tim Flowers and then me, and Martin would come in from the back of Tim Flowers, and then Ryan. And as I'm looking up, as he comes in, I can just fuck, I just know it. I'm fucking having it. Just Eye it. contact. I just know yeah. that he's fucking going to give me... And at this point, do you think you're playing well? I'm doing okay. Nil-nil no, nil, Arsenal. Nil-nil Arsenal. They're fucking world-class players throughout the team. We're doing okay. You know, we're not pulling up any trees, but we're surviving. He starts on, so he starts, and it, he used to put his hand over his mouth. I don't know why. Jerry Powell! And this is like... You could see it in his eyes. He wanted to rip my fucking head off. You know, he really... And he would, he would have tried as well. You know, he wasn't... He was game. You know, I've scored up there once or twice. And he was game. He was like, let's have it. And he, I mean, aggression, fucking hell. So you can like, see oh, anger in his face, oh, the man. veins, everything. What have I fucking told you, pal? You can give it to Lenny. Neil Lennon. You can give it to Muzzy. Muzzy, is it? Don't give the ball to fucking Savage. <laughs> you know he can't play fucking football. <laughs> and Malak. <laughs> He's fucking walked out, right for a minute to compose himself. And Savage is sat next to me on the left. And I've gone, you, you fucking little cunt. You ever fucking ask the ball out of me, I'll fucking knock you out. Just fucking run around and upset people because he was brilliant at it, Savage. You're right. You know, he was better playing than what people give him credit for. But essentially, if you compare him to Neil Lennon and Muzzy, you can't. But he did a great job. So I basically got my fucking head chewed off because he gave the ball away. 
He sounds a bit like Cluffy, but more angrier, because that's something Cluffy would do, well, wouldn't it? Mm. And who did he play for? That's what I'm trying to say. He yeah. also took a bit from Cluffy Absolutely. and used it himself. Absolutely. I, well, I don't know. I, I say I never played on the Cluffy, but, you know, his way of thinking wasn't the norm no. as a manager. You know, it was... And, and for a while, it took me a bit of time to get used to that. What, even Big Bag Jerry? Yeah, <laughs> it took me a bit of time to get used to, like, going, OK, then. Just hit the fucking channel. You've got the quickest player in the Premier League, Emilewski, and you want to fucking play a five-yard fucking pass? Fucking get it in the fucking channel for Heskey. Okay? There you go. Did no one start laughing when he walked? Oh, I'll tell you, Tony Cotty used to sit right across where you're sat from me, his wrestling room. And obviously Tony's in his early 30s by that stage. And he was like a little school kid laughing his bollocks off every time I got a bollock in. So I'd be like, you're trying to eyeball the manager, thinking, you know, while he's fucking turning your head off. You're, you're trying your nuts off the eyeball, but every now and again, you'd have to look at the floor, right? Not because you wanted to laugh, because, you know, you yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're like that. And then to take the steam out of the situation, you look at the floor, and every time I looked up, my eyes would always hit Tony Curry. And he'd just be fucking sat there like that. Like Motley. G giggling like, yeah, like fucking Motley the dog and Dick Dastard. Like. He was a little twat, TC, for that. That's part of the dressing room, though, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want to take that away from a dressing yeah. room, would you? And relief that he's not getting the bollocks. Yeah, you know no, I mean? absolutely. But, uh, again, another great dressing room, Leicester's. So what was Savage's reaction to that, though? I mean, in front of everybody to be told, you can't play football. Yeah. Just you work about people, be a ratter, yeah. upset people, and you know break play up. John, you were very, very foolish, or very, or you didn't care about the team, or the squad, or the club. If you got up and try to second guess Martin O'Neill or try and answer him back, in a because you just were never going to win the argument. And all you would do would, you know, do yourself more damage than right. good. So you, you learn very, very quickly. Let him say his piece. Let him bollock you in whatever way, shape or form he feels necessary and get on with it. And Robbie Savage was no different. You know, Robbie Savage wasn't going to say a booty of goose in that dressing room. No. You know, he was going to take his medicine like everybody else and do exactly what he was told to do. So he had, he had a role for every individual player, basically, in the team. And that's all it was. There was no coaching. There was so no... He's not the coach, no, was there? there was no... Yeah, you know, it, but the coaching was not... I want to say no coaching as regards to shape, shape of play. You know, we'd do a little bit in pre-season for, like, 20 minutes, half an hour. We'd do a few set pieces. So we'd have no hand near post, one hand, middle of the goal, two hands, back post. That was it. That's the three crosses that are coming in from set pieces and, cor and corners. That's simple. That's simple. Surely the opposition would know that, wouldn't they? After, uh, after but, once. But then yeah. let me get to this. Well, you look job. at how many goals we used to well, score. Well, this is where I want to get to. Big, 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 bad Jerry. Partnership. Steve Walsh, Matt, Alley, Matt yeah. Elliott. Bigger and badder Steve Walsh. And bigger, even more bigger, but not as bad Matt Elliott, yeah. You're the odd one out of the three. Yeah. Why is Why? that? 
The other two played up front as well. Yeah, that's right. Very true. Two strikers. Yeah. At times. Steve Walsh up front was phenomenal. Phenomenal, mate. You just said there, what a threat. Yeah. The threes. Oh, phenomenal. I mean, okay, who do we pick up? Who's the most dangerous yeah. from set pieces? That's yeah. why you scored so many goals. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. And you and they all wanted to attack the ball. Yeah. So if the ball's good, you're giving us three a chance to go and hit it. And that's all we needed was a decent ball. Imagine being a defender and them three clamouring all over <laughs> you and running at you. Well, I've got here, you've got, got you three, big bruisers, obviously can play a football as well, mm. very intimidating, were you mouthy as well? Yeah. So... But you've got Lenny on the side of that. You've so got I'm, Frank Sinclair, who didn't I'm manage I'm going to come to him in a minute, yeah. Frank. So it's more you three. Any, like, strikers you've seen come, got a name, but just you could see the room intimidated? Well, Brian Dean tells a story... He's a big lad as well. Yeah, well, Brian Dean ended up playing for Leicester when we got uh, <clears throat> relegated after Martin left. And uh, he used to play at Middlesbrough. And they had a big side. You know, they had Nigel Pearson, yeah. uh, Alan Boxich, uh, Brian Dean. They, they, were a, they were a pretty big team themselves. But he used to say, when we used to see you squaring up to us in the tunnel, we knew we were beat. And that's Brian Dean saying that. When we used to see your team line up in the tunnel, we used to look around and go, fucking hell. No, one of three giants. So Threes. And then you've got Hersky, six foot Hesky two, he runs well. like a wind. Yeah. You know. could, Matt Elliott could score some goals. Yeah, he? Matty, fantastic footballer. Like, he was, for his height, you know, on his build, you know, because his legs were massive, but his footballing ability on the ball was exceptional for a centre-half. Exceptional. It really was. Walshy just used to keep scoring his left foot. He used to pull his left foot. I'm not saying technically, probably on the ball, similar to me, but in front of the goal, he knew where the back of the net was for, for a centre half. He really did. Just shows you how versatile they're both of them yeah, are, really. No, absolutely, mate. Good footballers. Yeah. No, Elliot, exceptional, yeah. I have to say. His close control and his calmness under pressure, playing at centre half. But he could go up front as well last 20 but he, minutes. Yeah, because, be a proper yeah. centre-forward. Yeah, because... Uh, Not just a lump, oh, a proper no. centre-forward. No, yeah. He, you know, he knew... I mean, technically, very, very good. Holding the ball up, bringing other players into play. You know, no no men to drop it off on touch so somebody else can have a shot. You know, very, very intelligent footballers. So it brings me to Funtime Frankie. <laughs> I've just made that name up, but yeah. I know he liked Well, it. no, that's a good analogy of Frank Sinclair. Fun time, Frankie, yeah. It's not the first time he's been called that. Liked an own goal, didn't he? Loved an own goal. He was just unlucky, wasn't he? Well, that's the way I look at it. You know, again, Frank, great athlete. You know, technically not the best, but again, he was only five foot ten, Frank, but he'd run through a brick wall for you, Frank. And he was a great athlete, but... Somehow, he used to keep popping up with his own goals, and it was no more prevalent. We were playing the first game of the season, we're away at uh, Highbury oh, in the 99 2000 season. That was our best season up until uh, under Martin O'Neill, actually, where we won the cup, League Cup, and finished eighth in the league. And uh, first game, and we took the lead against Arsenal. Tony Cotty scored back post, cross from Guppy. Tony Cotty slides in, bang. We're getting battered, but we're winning 1-0. And then they equalise. And then the last kick of the game, they get a corner. 
and the ball comes into the box. And Frank, you know, he had a great leap on it for, you know, just for being an average size bloke, a 5'10". And he gets up and he goes to hit it, but he does that and mistimes it. So he, he, he creaks his neck to try and get a load of power on instead of just, just hit it, straight header, bang. And he ends up mistiming it. And as he's done that, it's come back and hit him and gone straight into his own net. And we get beat 2-1 two, two, at Arsenal, first game of the season. Down to a Frank Sinclair OG. So it was like devastating. You know, because they were one of the teams we very, very rarely got results against. Yeah, 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 Burkham. Because they were class. Yeah. They were, yeah. they were, they were class. But bringing on that season, you had a great season, player at you. One player a year. I think I scored seven goals that season. Played 42 games. Yeah, that's right. Matt Elliott picked you with 48. 48, yeah. He, but you won the cup. Is it Wormington Cup? Wormington Cup, yeah. Tranmere. Tranmere in the final. Uh, the big game was obviously the semi-final where we were playing Villa. And we had, we were depleted. So Elliot played up front in both legs. <clears throat> uh, Heskey was injured. I think Tony Curry was out injured as well. Uh, and the first game was a nil-nil washout, like, what a bad game. Just cancelled each other out. Yeah, what what a bad game. And they're, and they're a decent side, you know, Gareth Barry, Dion Dublin, uh, Hendry, Lee Hendry, you know, they're, they're a decent side, Villa. Good good Premier League team. Big lad at the back, went on to play for, uh, I think Southgate was playing for them then, maybe, or maybe not, I can't remember. Uh, Tomo there then? Who? Tomo? No, Tomo gone by then, I think. Yeah. Or, oh, he might have been. I, I. No, because that was just before Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might have been. Mm. John Gregory, the manager? Yeah. <clears throat> Tom would be yeah. So they had a good side, Villa. And they were a decent outfit. You know, when the, they were going going well in the Premier League. So the first leg, absolutely. Steve Stone was there. Right. Steve Stone as well. Uh, and then we get back to Fulver Street for the second leg. And again, like, no Heskey. Matsy goes up front. And again, a really tight game. You know yourself, it's like nobody wants to give anything away. Nobody wants to make a mistake. So the football isn't great because you're just booming all over the place because no one wants to make a mistake. Then obviously, we get a cross in the box. I think it's Robbie Savage actually crosses the ball and Elliot, bang, straight in the back of the net. And then from there on in, it's just cagey football. We're on the back foot, you know, because you're protecting that one goal later. You know... It creeps in. You don't want to play that way, but it creeps in. I remember Steve Stone having a shot from the edge of the box, and he's drilled it. You know, like it's a half volley, but he drills it along. It's a daisy cutter. Fucking great strike. And Tim Flowers just fucking tips it round the post somewhere. And Tim will tell you, I used to have to put Tim Flowers socks on on a Saturday morning when we were away because he'd no hips. He couldn't fucking bend down. So he said, just stick him on the end of my feet, please, Tags. <laughs> But what a guy. Yeah. What a guy. And he pulls off his great save to stop it, you know, to keep it at 1 0. And that was obviously like, that was massive for us. And then again, we nearly, Matty scores the two goals in the final. We nearly throw that away again. You know, Muzzy's missing sitters. They're down to 10 men. Heskey misses the sitter in the final. We're like, Jesus Christ. But Mr. Reliable comes up, big Matty. You know, and sticks the winner in after, you know, me and him sort of made a mistake for our equaliser. We got in each other's way and went, whoa, yours, mine. And Nobody's... then Dave Kelly nips in. 
But f- thankfully, you know, we've been to La Fena the year before against Tottenham as well and lost it. It's good to bounce back and win it this time. So, well, Tony Curry was crying on the sideline after the game, after the Tottenham game. Because he knew, he thought that was it. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm never going to win. A f- He'd been to four finals and never won one of them. Tony Curry. Was the Tranmere one, without being disrespectful, hard? Oh, because you were massive, massive fans. Yeah. Because Tranmere were elite, uh, champion, championship. Championship side, yeah. They, but they had beaten a couple of Premier League teams. They beat Beatles in the semis as well. Yeah, they were they were decent, by the way. They weren't bad. I know for a champ, they, they were decent. But was it more pressure on you, lads? More pressure on you're us. you're all having a good season as well, aren't you? Yeah, we were flying that season. Uh, you'd, you'd expect it to win the game. That yeah, exactly. That exactly. pressure. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Somebody like Mosier, who, who scuffs a shot from six yards out, they had Clint Hill sent off for two yellow cards on, on Heskey. And I remember he, he gets slated on a plate. Heskey lays it on a plate from six yards out. He's just got to hit the targets in the net. Finish. And he scuffs it. A player his calibre scuffs a shot from six, seven yards out. players end, you have little doubts, thinking, I hope it's not going to be one of yeah. their games. And then they say, me and Elliot sort of jointly make... He says it was my fault. <laughs> I said it was his fault. <laughs> it was both our faults. You can't split it there, can you? So they nip in, get the equaliser, and you think, oh, no, not again. Not the same as last year. But then, obviously, another set piece comes in. They're, they're a man short. And, and Elliot bangs it straight in the back of the net. And, and it's of, just pure relief. One of their main defenders as well, which helped. Yeah, well, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Because he would have been picking up, wouldn't Ab- he? Absolutely. Yeah. So there was a bit of confusion in their box. What was it like at end of season then? Because Martin O'Neill left then, didn't he? Yeah. Was that like the heart of the soul of the club? Yeah, listen, there was murmurings throughout that season of, of him going to Leeds initially. To Leeds? Yeah, to Leeds. And they managed to keep him. Did and he I ever think, bring it up? No, no. Well, players don't bring that. You know, there was there was a there was an unwritten rule. You know, Which we won't know about. Yeah, well, but, I wouldn't know. Well, John, you don't get involved with what goes on in the manager's office or the boardroom. Right. What your, your domain is a dressing room and a football pitch. Get okay, yeah. And the the manager obviously goes between the dressing room, the football pitch, and the boardroom. So you don't get involved in what what what's happening with the manager in the boardroom. That's between the boardroom and the manager. You just got you. You're, 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 you're just trying to get on with what you're doing in, on you're a football. You're flying as a team. Mm. You're all buzzing. Everyone's got to be playing well. Yeah. You're winning, you win a cup, and there's these murmurs that managers leaving. It sounds like you all, everyone in the team would have had so much respect. <clears throat> I think, and this is my only my opinion, but we played a game at Filbert Street against Sunderland, and Sunderland were a good side. I think they finished top six that season. That were Phillips and Quinn. And Quinn up front. And they came to Filbert Street. We played Heskey and Collymore up front. And we... Colin Moore scored a hat-trick on his home debut for Leicester. And we battered him. And they were a good team. And Heskey left the week after. It was the deadline the old transfer window, right. you know, at the end of March or something, wasn't it? And I think that just took the wind out of Martin O'Neill's sails. I think he tried everything in his power to keep him in Heskey. And Heskey decided to go to Liverpool. And... Uh, I'm, I, in my mind, that's the straw that broke the camel's back for Martin. And Celtic was a pull for and, him as and well. And Celtic was a it? massive pull. So it was but a big for, loss? Yeah, big loss. I think he knew, watching that game, that 
you know, we had a chance to, we were already in the top 10, but he thought that we had a good chance of pushing the top six that season with now Collymore, getting Collymore's head sorted out and them two as a front pair. You know, Collymore, like, technically a genius. He obviously had a few issues that he speaks about mentally, but on the ground, a genius for his height. Playing alongside Heskey, who was just rampaging through the Premier League at that stage. But you look at these now, you look at this team, Colin Morness, mm. the big lads as well as fast. Yeah, the big that's lads. what I'm saying. Your team must have been the biggest team yeah. in Premiership history. The front two on their day were unplayable. I'm telling you. Like, I didn't realise how good Stan's Colin, how technically good Stan Collymore was until he actually came to Leicester. And then I went. Like, I played against Stan when he was at Southend, when I was at Barnsley. And I knew he was good. And he was quick and he was strong and he's six foot three. He can head the ball, he can do everything. But then you see all the technical intricacies that he had in his game as well. He was just a phenomenally talented footballer. He really was. And then you've got Heskey, who's more raw, power, pace. You know, obviously got technical ability as well, but you know, what a combination them two were for that one game. <laughs> they just complemented each other so well. So, season after, Martin's gone. Who come in? Oh, I can't remember. Megson? <laughs> no, Peter no, Taylor. Peter Taylor? Peter, sorry, yeah. Yeah. What was pre-season in the dressing room like with Peter and Martin? What oh, was it? man, it was chalk and cheese. I always I use this and I use Robbie Savage as a comparison between the two managers. Yeah? Because you just heard the comparison that Martin O'Neill had. Don't give him the ball. Don't give him the ball. Well, Peter Taylor made him captain. And told him he was a player. Which he believed. And there's an incident where I actually slap Savage on the pitch when we're playing the same team at Arsenal again. And we actually draw this game nil-nil, I think, against Arsenal, Filbert Street. And I and Savage has got the ball and he's doing this pirouette. All these pirouette and it's it's Patrick Vieira. He's doing this pirouette. He's showing off. And I'm stood there. 10 yards away, and there's a gap up the left-hand channel, and we had Eddie Eckenby, who, who could catch pigeons. Eddie, right, it was quick as a train. And I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to get that ball, I'm going to turn, one touch turn, and play it into the channel for Eddie. He was a willing runner. And he wouldn't give me the ball. Savage, so I'm screaming at him, Sav, give me the ball, give me the fucking ball. And he wouldn't give me it. He just, so he decided to do this fucking pirouette. And uh, have a scuffle, him and Vieira. He keeps all the ball, but he passes it 30 yards behind me to Callum Davison, who's in left back. He comes under pressure and he kicks it into the stand for a throw in the Arsenal. So I'm fucking screaming at him. Just give me the fucking ball. I've got a pass on. And you're wanting to fucking do all this shit. And he turns around and he goes, shut up, you fat Irish twat. Fuck off, you fat Irish cunt. All this here, C word coming out, right? <laughs> So I goes, oh. Brave man. But <laughs> this is the difference between a year. Leaving the room now. Fast forward a year, different manager. Different player. Different player. Tells the player he's player, captain. Mm. Aye, right. So I fucking clip someone on the pitch. That's good. Right. Gets in the dressing room and he's practically in tears, apologising. Savage. And I've just gone, shut up. Just shut up. I say, next time, if I'm screwing for a ball, just give me the fucking ball. I had a pass on there to get us out of trouble. You've just stuck us in a right pile of shit now. At that time, you know, we managed to get out of it, but 
That was the difference. That was the difference in managers. Big difference. Knowing right. your players and knowing how to get the best out of them. Not just that, but high, high. You, had a you few keep everybody all fucking tight lead, whereas Peter Taylor basically gave everyone a bit of a free reign and ultimately it came to nothing. Didn't last long, did as it? soon as you're giving people a free roll, yeah. that's everything. Discipline goes, everything goes, because it's like, it's easy to blame on the next one, isn't it? Correct. Excuses start leaking in. Yeah. I would imagine as a team, what bonded so much with Martin O'Neill and having him as a leader, mm. you could see all the time we were just changing different players coming in who were in the same mindset as you lot. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's a really good point. You know, you're bringing players. So Peter, when he took over, he's got the crux of Martin O'Neill's squad minus one or two. Had Lenny gone at that point? No, Lenny was still there. We 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 we'd both had a phone call from Martin O'Neill at the end of the season when he'd just gone to Asking go. Asking you to go up to Celtic. So he actually tried to sign me and Lenny at the same time. That would have been from Leicester. Oh, we, we were both packed our bags and put our hiking boots on. Are you a Celtic fan, Jerry? Uh, well, I just told you I used to play for a team. I know, I'm just Celtic, asking the Celtic people boys, who just tuned in you know, late. It's an no-brainer. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. Yeah. Well, you know... <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. Watch it fucking back and, and, and <laughs> learn your line, sunshine. All right. So, yeah, we're both, we're both there. Now, as it transpired, none of us went initially, and we both ended up signing contracts for Leicester. But Lenny just couldn't get on with Peter Taylor. Just could not do with so he, his form, the one player's form you think wouldn't, under any circumstance, in any environment, wouldn't suffer would be Neil Lennon because of what I spoke to you about, about his determination and that fiery grit that he has. His form went, wow, went down the chute massively. And he, and he, and he openly will tell you that he suffers with oppression and he was a de one depressed kid. And I think it was because... Peter Taylor just couldn't float his boat, or he just couldn't he just couldn't connect with him, and that's when Peter Taylor decided to sell him to Celtic. But do you not think possibly the disappointment of not getting the move initially as well? You know what I mean? Added to the fact that he's got a manager he doesn't get on with. I th yeah, I think there might have been a bit of that, but that see that didn't creep in with me. No, I'm not saying it was a pipe dream; it was on the cards. But you've got to sort of put it in the back of your mind. And I've just, I've just signed a new contract. Pretty lucrative at Leicester, I have to say. And then he was even more lucrative. So you put that in the back of your mind, yeah. And now that's that's the pipe dream. Right. You know, it's not happened. It nearly happened, but it, and it was just too far away. It was, it was too big a hurdle to cross. I don't know. But so I had to just get on with it. And I suppose, you know, there might have been a bit of that. Maybe he was hankering it. And his form left, but definitely the, the manager didn't help him. Whereas my form that season, in my opinion, my form, I'm, I'm not, but for the most of that season, my form had improved from the cup winning season the year before under okay. O'Neill. You know, I, I'd, again, I'd toned down a few things in my personal life. I was feeling, feeling the benefits. Yeah. So you, you go forward a wee bit then. So Lenny eventually goes. Hmm. Did he come back in for you at that time? No, or had, or that was had it. Had well, gone? I was struggling then with my knee. Okay. So I had a, a cyst in my patella tendon, the size of a grape, apparently, the surgeon said. Okay. And I was literally managing it. 
<clears throat> so I was just getting through games, doing a bit of cycling, training on a Friday and playing the next game. And so I had the, everything in my life sort of grind to a standstill for a load of months where I was literally playing one game, seeing how I was after it and just trying to get fit for the next game. But eventually that catches up with you. That season, yeah, you're all political. You wear for cup. You wear for cup, yeah. Had a dodgy, dodgy draw, didn't you? Yeah. Red Star, Red Belgrade. Star Belgrade, yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Scored, didn't you? I scored, yeah, I scored. I actually scored on the Saturday before that against Southampton. I beat them one 0 and I think we were fourth in the league. We 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 were never out of the top six. In the league, believe it or not. he started off well, didn't he? Yeah. The results did anyway. No, we were, we were, after eight games, we were top of the Premier League. And then we slipped, you know, the big guns started coming. But we were never out of the top six until about eight or nine games to go. And then it just fucking fell to shit after that. And then, so on the Saturday, we played Southampton. And I scored the winner 1-0 from a corner. And then we're playing Red Star Belgrade on the Thursday night. And... They've all come over their fans with all the smoke grenades and, you know, the flares, smoke flares and all that. And some guy from the crowds chucked a, a smoke grenade out into the middle of the pitch as soon as the ref blew off. So the ref blew off for the, the game to start. And as soon as he, the smoke, the referee blew this guy through a smoke grenade from the Red Star Belgrade. Their best player on the pitch, can't remember his name, but he hits one from 40 yards. Goes through all the smoke, <laughs> fucking ten flowers like that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, straight in the back of the net. So we're on the. They score within like forty-five seconds, some 35, 40 seconds, something like that. And we're on the back foot, and they say, thankfully, I managed to get on the score sheet at the other end in the first half, and from a second phase of a corner. So I think Muzzy is a pleasant, and he Lennon, and then he clips one in, and I managed to get away from the. The defender who's still got part of my shirt, you know, because they... Grapplers. Oh, man, they they and would hug you. They would prop and you were, like, literally elbowing them. A nip. Oh, man, oh, absolutely. Stand on your yeah. feet. Stand on your toes. They do everything. They try and stop you getting a half a yard. So they were ridiculous. So I used Elliot as a as a block. So I've run in front of him, and the defenders run right into the back of Matty Elliot. <laughs> You're doing that there. And I've just nipped in in front of Mary and got my head on it. Do you remember the return leg? Return leg, yeah. Well, obviously Feisty the, then, because the fans have already showed the colours, haven't they? Yeah, but we, obviously we couldn't go to Belgrade because the war, the Bosnian war was going on then. And UEFA couldn't guarantee our safety. So they had to play the game in, uh, in Austria, in, uh, in Vienna. And we're playing in Austria, Vienna's ground, which was a bit of a shit hole, to be honest. And again, Muzzy, we take the lead. I think Muzzy is it. Scores, and then they get back in there. It's 1 1 at half time. We're in the game. It's a, it's a pretty even game, even though we're in, Bel in Austria. And we come out the second half, and we just capitulate, and they just blew us away in the second half. Sco scored two goals. And that was that. You know, that was. Game over, job done. I don't know what happened that second half. It might have been the half-time team top from Peter Taylor. I think may have played a part of it. But, yeah, they were the better team on the night. There's no doubt about that. You know, they just blew us away in the second half. Dennis Wise. <laughs> <coughs> For your run-ins? Listen, 
I got on well with Dennis Wise initially when he came uh, <clears throat> to Leicester. I think Dennis's problem's always been when he's had a couple of beers. You know, he's, he, he he sort of, his persona changes, personality slightly changes. He grows in stature. Not in size. You know, not in size, but uh, yeah. So by the time he'd left, he, let's put it this way, he wasn't the most popular member of the Leicester, Leicester City team by the time he, he'd, uh, he'd left the squad for, for various reasons. But you yeah. bumped into him again, though, because you went to Stoke, didn't you? Initially yeah. on Initially on loan, and well, I was I was I was playing I was playing in the in the Premier League with Leicester again under Mickey Adams this time, and uh, but Mickey wouldn't listen to his players. You know, he got he had an aging squad, and I'd just come back from being out for a year with my knee. You know, managed to get back into the Premier League, so I'm I'm going to big myself up on this one because the year I ha I missed Leicester and got relegated, and I came back in uh, for the Championship season. We got went straight back up to the Premier League. Facts are facts, Jerry. Facts are facts. And it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. So right? I'm going to big myself up on that one. Uh, although Paul Dickoff and Brian Dean will have something to say about that as well, because they and James Schoolcroft. Uh, <clears throat> but. Uh, Mickey Adams w was big on fitness and running the players in between games. And, you know, you've got Les Ferdinand at 37, 36. You've got Matty Elliott at 34, 33, 34. Me at 31, 32. You know, I've, you've got young lads coming in, you know, screaming about their hamstrings and their groins because of the amount of running we used to do in between games. And obviously I've been out for a, a year and I, I'd just been back for a year. But I was never going to be the player I was. And I was never, ever, ever going to be able to do that on a consistent basis. So if I couldn't do that training, I wasn't playing. That was his mindset. But surely you've got, to, you've got to manage your players. John, you'd have thought so. But his, his mantra was, if you don't train, if you don't do the training, you don't play on a Saturday. That was it. So I didn't play a lot. I played a few games and then I got fed up, told them where to go and that's when I went to Stoke, basically. And I was initially on loan. He called me back on loan. Uh, he called me back from being on loan and ended up, same thing happened. I came in one Monday morning, said to the physio, listen, Mondays now I'm in bits. I'm just in bits. I just need a recovery day. Say, I've been at Stoke on loan. I don't train. I train on a Tuesday. I have Wednesday. I don't train on a Monday. I train on a Tuesday. I have Wednesday off. I do a little bit on a Thursday and a little bit on a Friday, and then I play the game. Did you tell Stoke that? That's, I need this no, for my body. No, Tony Pulis just went. He knew. He knew. He got it. He got it. Just, right. get, me, just get me on the pitch. All right? And play the games. Fine. So same thing happened, go back, and I'm just like, it's not work. It's not going to work here at Leicester. It's just not. So I went back and actually signed for Stoke, and Tony Pulis was brilliant. No, he really was. I, I trained, literally, I trained twice a week, and one and a half times a week I trained. There you go. But that's a manager knowing your capabilities at that yeah, time. Yeah, that's it. And his job is to get you on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd go and have massages. I'd either go up to the gym. There's a gym 
Yellow Stadium there. We do Pilates, we do cycling classes. So I could do all that, just take over. I started swimming again. So I, so I, so I used, as I told you, when I was a kid. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I used to be a swimmer, so I joined a swimming club uh, and started swimming competitively again to, you know, to tie me over so I just wasn't sitting at home doing nothing all the time. So I was keeping my fitness up, keeping my lungs working, was swimming, and it worked an absolute treat for me. You know, Tony Pulis was absolutely brilliant, you know, and, uh, you know, he got he got the best out of my last couple of years, to be honest. He was the one person that understood where I was, where I was at in my career, and what I needed, as you say, to get through to a Saturday and play football. So basically, Tony Poulos was what you needed at that stage of your career, Absolutely. so simple as that. And, and you, know, you try and explain this to people like Mickey <coughs> Adams, or you, you're relaying that through the physio first and foremost, because he have, would have a better chance of relaying it to the manager. But Mickey was, you know, was black and white with Mickey. It's hard, because I suppose, as a player, it's only you who knows your own body. Yeah. So when you don't want I'd to do I'd love anything, to be out there training. I, don't, I say, I, I hated the gym. I didn't want to be stuck on a bike, you know, doing a spinning class. But that's where I was, you know. And, you know, trying to... And I, so you understand that as an individual, go, right, so I'll do that. I'll do that twice a week. I'll have massages, I'll do stretches, I'll do whatever it takes to get me through. It's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be out in the training pitch at Leicester. But... It just wasn't working. Just just wasn't going to work between me and Mickey. Well, he did well for you. Got you on the pitch 50 times at Stoke. Mm. Might have been a few more. I don't know. Oh, Tony, you mean? Tony, yeah. Yeah. Tony did. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I've got a lot of respect for the man. A few seasons at Stoke, didn't you? Yeah, I think I had two and a half that I signed. And Big club, isn't it? Yeah, it is now. You know, it's a well-run club. It's a it's a club with a lot of potential. I have to say, I, I'm not saying it was that well-run. I think there was Icelandic owners uh, in charge when when I joined, and had a, I had a bit of a run-in with a with a owner <laughs> one afternoon because, you know, they they were a young team when I joined. So I'm like the old. It was me and Ed, the guy, the old Chelsea keeper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So. We were the two most experienced players on the pitch. And they had Adi Akinbay up top. But uh, <clears throat> we gifted Noel Williams. But he, he was still pretty young, even though he played a few games. And a pretty young squad around him, basically. So it was a bit of a struggle. I was basically coaching on the pitch, for want of a better... I was basically doing the coaching on the pitch. Because yeah. young players are just... You know, they just sort of do what they want sometimes. You know, you remember when Mark Fish played? It yes. was great to watch when he Mark Fish when he was a Bolton, but 
he'd get the ball and on the edge of his box and just go. Yeah, but the fans love it, but the shape's the fire, gone, but, isn't it? But I'm looking and I'm thinking, what's he doing? What the fuck's Fishy doing? And then pass the ball and get back here beside me. You know, it's a bit like when I was playing at Stoke with these younger players. You're like, what are you doing? Stand here, pass the ball and go and support him, stuff like that. You know, so I'm literally coaching on the pitch in every position. Did you, you know? enjoy that mentoning him on the pitch? Did you actually enjoy Yeah, no, that? it was good. It was frustrating, but, you know, it was good when when they got the rewards themselves. When, instead of listening to me all the time, to asking them what they do or telling them what they do, when they got the, the rewards and then they realised what I was telling them to do was working, okay, yeah. then you go, there you go, that's, that's how you do it, you know. That's how you play that position or that's what you do in that situation. Then, you know, right, cheers, tags, you know. So, yeah, you enjoy that. Right, brilliant tags, cheers. You know, so that was good. So was that the catalyst towards getting your coaching badges and getting into coaching? Did you think then, was that a light bulb moment? Yeah, thinking, well, I, That's maybe the future. Well, Tony Pulis actually came to me halfway through my second season and, and he said, listen, I'm trying to get someone in as a coach. So he knew what was what I was doing on the pitch. He, you know, and he, he pulled me uh, aside in training one day and said, listen, I'm trying to get someone in as my assistant, but but he lives in America. And if he doesn't come over, I'm going to make you my assistant, my new assistant. And I said, right, fucking hell, brilliant. But it, turned, you know, it, it transpired, it was Dave Kemp, who then moved, okay. who lived in California, but came over and became Kempy's. Uh, assistant, you know, you move on six months, Tony gets a sack, bring a new manager in, I get an extra year. Uh, I call it the old, I've nicked the year, as you do. At that stage. At that stage, you know, I'm 30, 34 and three quarters, basically. Nearly 35. I think Millwall had come in for me. Did they? Yeah. Is that why you got your new contract? And that's why I, I said I got, I didn't want to go to Millwall. Uh, but they had come in and offered me solid bang. There's a there's a one year deal here, and uh, <clears throat> so I've gone to John Rodgers and said, uh, "Millwall's come in, got my agent the phone. Millwall's come in. They're offering me more money than you, so they give me the same money I was on for another year. Brilliant. So I thought I'm only fifteen minutes down the road. Brilliant. So yeah, so." I effectively stole a year, as they say. Yeah, but you deserved the year yeah, as well, Jerry, because you've stuck it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You deserved. And that it. was that was a bit of a roller coaster ride as well, because I actually became acting manager, an acting assistant manager, then acting manager at Stoke, because it was all of a mess up with the Icelandic owners at that stage. It was all going off at Stoke. You know, it was just putting out fire. It was like a car crash. When in your head do you think, right, time's coming to the end now. My body's had enough. Yeah. When do you know that? Apologise for interrupting the video. Me and John are going to be doing giveaways. Every podcast, if you comment, I want a football top from whatever club you want, every podcast we're giving away a football top. But if you don't like football, we'll get you a Mizuno top. All you've got to do is subscribe because 70% of you are not subscribed who are watching the videos. So make sure you subscribe and comment, I want a Barnsley top. Anyway, back to the podcast. Thanks very much for support. And uh, it means a lot to us, and it's really helping us out. Again, at Stoke, they didn't have the infrastructure on the medical side to cope with someone like me. I was just given a, a plan. 
I just I've got to go to training. So the physio would have had to go to training. Uh, they had a an under twenty one physio or a youth team physio. So he'd be dealing with all the youth team lads, and they pop their head through the door every. And back when I was playing at Stoke, they didn't have the training facilities or all the manpower. So again, you were you were getting changed at uh, the Bet Three Six Five Stadium, as it's called now, and then travelling down to the Michelin training facility, a couple of minutes away. So you were left to your own devices to do all your leg works and all this here when you were. And so I, I but I injured. I broke my ankle when Tony was a manager, got back, played, that was all right. And then I did my knee, I had to have another microfracture on my knee, kept me out for three and a half months. I'm 35 and a quarter or a half, and I'm, the season's come to an end, and I'm thinking, I'm sat in this room on my own. You know, I know to say, like, you know, you, you, there's no motivation like self-motivation, but the constant pain that you're in and you're hobbling down the stairs on a Sunday morning, you know, and you can't play football in the garden with your kids and you're having to take tablets and cortisone injections to play a game of football, that sort of starts to take over. Like, I didn't want to retire because I was loving playing football, you know, because up here, I was always two yards ahead. Down here, I was like, I was like a tortoise, but up here. So I, I still think I could have played another couple of years. Maybe not a championship level, but I was happy to drop down to League One. You know, Barnsley had come in and offered me a contract at the beginning of that season in League One. I think Paul Hart was the manager, and he offered me a player, coach's role. But because I was still in the championship, I said, no, I'm going to grind it out in the championship for another year. And then I'll, and then I'll decide I might move down. But the injuries just took over. And the willpower, if you want, just sort of weighing the bit. The decision got made yeah. for you. you what I it? needed then was someone to keep on my, you know, to keep on at me but and say, no, you need to do this. Keep pushing you. You need but to keep pushing me. Yeah. Just not enough manpower. Yeah. So my my pain threshold basically took over and thought, I can't go through much more of this. So a few little stints as a caretaker manager, weren't there? Yeah, at Leicester, so as soon as I finished, I went straight in. No, sorry, at the beginning of that season, I went into coaching and started doing my badges before my last season. Non-league? Sorry? Non-league. What, what's that? No, I mean, I started doing my badges the year before I retired at Stoke. Mm -hmm. And then obviously I retired. Uh, retired for a year, out of the game totally. Was doing little bits and bobs for Leicester. Rob Kelly was the manager. So you've left Stoke City. Yeah. Did a little bit of coaching at Tamworth. <clears throat> yeah, so I say it's quite funny. After I retired, I was out of the game for a year. I was doing a few little bits for Rob Kelly at Leicester. And, uh, but we had a Legends team and we used to meet up on a Friday night in Leicester and play five-a-side. And it was quite funny because half the Leicester Tigers squad would turn up as well. Like Martin Johnson loved his football. Austin Healy, another one, Neil Bank. And a few other lads used to turn up and play play five-a-side, and then we'd go for a few beers. Uh, Gary Mills, who would also come, and he was the manager at Tamworth at the time, and he, he actually asked me to come out of retirement and start playing for him. So I, I said to him, I said, listen, Gary, I'm, I've been retired a year now, over a year. 
well, no, it was about a year. And he says, yeah, well, he said, I'm more interested in getting into coaching. And he says, well, you can do that at Tamworth if you want. Uh, and play a bit. So I said, oh, okay then. It's, uh, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I went down, did pre-season, started fucking turning on the engines again, you know, <laughs> charging up the batteries, what have you. Did a pre-season, doing a bit of coaching. Uh, and then, see, start of the season comes and it's like, he's looking me to play at the beginning of the season and I'm like, Fucking hell, gas. I said, you told me I'd play a bit. I said, I'd play a bit if you haven't got a team or you're missing one of your players. And I said, I'm looking to get into the coaching side. You know, start fucking doing some serious coaching. And he's like, no, no, no. I said, he said, I do the coaching here. Like I said, you can coach the reserves or some of the lads that don't play on a Saturday. I'm like, fucking hell. I, I, so anyway, I go, all right, so I ended up playing a couple of games, but, you know, I was miles off it. And I think the second game I played, I think we were at home. I think I played away at Blythe Spartans one game. Uh, we actually won that game. And then the second game, I played the week after, I can't remember who we were playing. And we are playing at Tamworth, and I'm having a shocker, like, I'm getting fucking bummed down the channels of ring, you know, I'm fucking... Turning like a tugboat, you know, <laughs> fucking QE2, whatever, fucking grabbing shirts, come back to your bastard, come here. And uh, so after the game, I'm like thinking, fuck this, this is it. You know, I'm, I've had enough, I'm jacking it. And as I'm walking off, one of the fans has come down and gone, started caning me. One of the Tamworth fans starts caning me. So fucking red mess comes down. And I'm jumped over the fucking stand and chased him up the back of the fucking stand. <laughs> so you're moving all right there. Yeah, you're definitely leaving, right. won't you? <laughs> I fucking started chasing one of the fans and, and then I just knew then I said, Yeah. Not worth it. This fucking hell. Madness. Total madness. So on the Monday, Millsy calls me in his office and goes, uh, you can't you can't do that. And I said, I know. But I said told you guy I don't, I don't want to fucking play I said I'll play if you really need me but I want to get in the coaching and he reiterated I do the coaching I said right just call it a fucking day right but in between that I was travelling out to Iceland for, with Radio 5 Live Northern Ireland we're playing Iceland <coughs> uh, out in Reykjavik so I'm out there in Reykjavik and I'm thinking, right, they're, they're going to give me a payoff. Tamworth. I'm thinking, oh, it's a Brucey bonus. And then I get a phone call from Alan Birchinell, who's a, an ambassador uh, at Leicester City. He's been there for 40 years or more, Alan Birchinell. He goes, tags, tags. He goes, uh, keep it under your hat, son. Keep it under your hat. They're going to appoint Gary Megson as the manager of uh, Leicester City. But they need an ex-player in to smooth over the fans sort of thing because he, it wasn't a good a popular appointment. And he said, you're doing your coaching badges, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He said, I'm, I'm on the mayor licence now. He says, right, so I've put your name forward. It was you, Muzzy, Walshie, Matty, but none of them are doing the badges you are, so you've got the job. First team coach at Leicester. 
So I'm thinking, fucking hell, what is going on in my life here? It's a crazy this is, week, this is fucking it? unbelievable. <clears throat> but <laughs> the flip side of it was that Leicester had the end. So I've gone from being fucking paired up and sacked at Tamworth to Leicester having to pay Tamworth a fucking compensation fee for letting me go. Know. So they twisted it round, Tamworth, and Leicester had to pay compensation to Tamworth right. for me to leave and go and join Leicester. Fucking crazy. If I'd have waited 24 hours, I'd have got my money, I'd have got my pay off, and Leicester wouldn't have had a pay to pay, pay to penny. But I was just glad to be out at that stage, to be honest. But what an opportunity. Oh, it was brilliant. Uh, you know, I mean, I take it, obviously, you were teammates with Gary Meggs at Manchester at Man City. City. Yeah, so I knew Mego not well, but you know, only played, I played with Mego not, not for that long, about <clears throat> a year or so, a season or so. So I knew him, I knew him to speak to, but, you know, I wouldn't say we were best buddies, but, you know, he involved me in it. I was first team coach. I wasn't taking any of the coaching. I was fucking breaking it. You know, I was totally out of my depth. I'm going from non-league Tamworth in the big, big championship club at the time. Okay, they were struggling, uh, but, you know, Leicester was a big club, you know, and they were struggling and, uh, and I was just happy to be in there and around and learning off Mego and stuff. You know, it, it was good in that respect. But again, that didn't fucking last long. I was about to say, did, well, did he go ball with him? Well, yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, it, it seemed to follow him around that. You said it, he wasn't a very popular appointment. Mm. That seemed to follow him around wherever he went, really. And, I mean, he went into Bolton and he caused the same sort of yeah, situation. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're five or six games in. I don't know how many. And uh, we've come off the training pitch after doing a session. And Frank Burrows used to be Harry Redknapp's assistant down at West Ham years ago. So he was Mego's assistant. I was first team coach. And uh, come off the training ground. I've gone up to the canteen f for a quick coffee. Come down into the changing rooms and Mego and Frank Burrows are having a chat. So I've walked in. You just walked in as you did, you know, because it's all coaching staff. And Mego says, Tag, sorry, mate. Can you give us a couple of minutes? We're just having a chat here. No problem, boss. So I walk back out, go straight up the canteen, sit down on the settee, and Sky Sports News is on. And as I'm watching it, the ticker tape's coming across. Gary Megson is now three to one favourite. Sorry, is now favourite to become the new Bolton manager. As I, and as I'm staring at it, I've had another light bulb moment, Liam. I've gone. Gary Megson Bolton, he's in there. He's just told me to fuck off out of the changing room. He's not going. taking you. No, no, he's going. Yeah. So I've picked my phone up, phoned the bookie. <laughs> I said, get me a grand on Gary Megson to be the next manager. What price is he? Oh, and he said, oh, he's three to one. I said, that'll do. Get me a grand on it. <laughs> so I had a grand on him to go to Bolton. Wow. And sure enough, he ended up as Bolton manager. Cheeky bonus as well. So I got my got my payoff from Tamworth back in the space of five or six weeks. So we ended up, he's gone to Bolton. You and Frank Burrows, joint yeah, assistant so caretaker managers. Yeah, so literally thrust in the middle of it. Stressful. But it's funny. So we had this player, this Dutch lad on loan from Fulham, the centre forward. Didn't play. Collins John. I remember. Right. Yeah, yeah. Collins John, right? Yeah. So Collins John 
was there when I when we took him over when we both came in. He, but he but he was injured a lot and he didn't play a lot. So first game in charge, we're playing QPR at home. So I was speaking to the physio at Leicester. Uh, John Gregory's the manager at QPR this time. And I'm walking out as the face of Leicester City. So Frank's up in the stand. I'm out on the on, on the touchline. And uh, But the day before, Collins John's in the fit and he's going, oh, no, I'm not fit. And, oh, and he's telling the fizzle. So I've gone down to see the fizzle and say to the fizzle, what, what's the fucking crack with this Collins John geezer? He said, well, he says he's injured, but there's fuck all wrong with him, Tags, he's fine. He's absolutely fucking fine. So I'm thinking, right, I could do with him tomorrow because we're, you know, we're not scoring a lot of goals and he's Premier League quality, you know, pedigree. So I've gone, right, can I take him in the back room for five minutes? He goes, yeah. So I've, I said, Collins, can you just come in here? So they've got two physio rooms, but they're separate. One's like for massages. So I'll get some in the back room. Lies get some sat down and say, All right, Collins. Say, listen, mate, I know you're not feeling the best, but I've been assured that you're fit enough to play. And I literally start begging him. I fucking need you tomorrow. Like you've never fucking known son. I fucking need you. I said, oh, let me tell you something about these fans here at Leicester City. I said they love a gold score. And I promise you. And I'm talking bullshit, but I convinced them. I said, but I promise you that if you play for me tomorrow, you will fucking score and you will become a hero overnight to these fans that come and watch you. And he said, right, I'll fucking play. So we got him on the pitch the next day. Fuck me. He only goes and fucking scores. <laughs> the winner, 1-0. We beat QPR 1-0, Right. Come the Monday morning, he's back on the fucking treatment table. Doesn't play another game for me. <laughs> a win's but a win for you, uh, A win's a fucking win. Yeah. And, uh, but what a mad... I mean, I've only just... And I'm having to convince a player that he's fit enough to play, even though he is. What was the pressure like, Jerry, for a win as a manager? Caretaker Because uh, obviously you've got a lot of love for Leicester. Yeah. Even more There must so. have been going through yeah. a lot of trouble as well. So. As yeah, a, exactly. Because you won't be doing it, would you? No. At that stage. I was out of my depth. Massively out of my depth. Massively out of my depth. Could you celebrate the win or was it more of a No, relief? it was no. Was it just more... pure fucking relief, yeah. You know. And and necessarily, like you say, I was caretaker manager. I, the, the worst case scenario for me, I was going back to take the stiffs, the under 21s, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> you know. So that was my... But even so, I'm trying to help the club pull itself out of a, a hole. And... Uh, but they didn't have the players. You know, bad recruitment, basically. And, and eventually they ended up... Caught they brought up. in Holloway in. Ollie tried his best. But just weren't good enough. And then Nigel came in, overhauled absolutely everything. And then it's went fine. from there. Just started all over again. I know you said you were massively out of your depth. But did you think you had a chance of the job? I mean... I didn't want it, John, from being honest. Frank Burrows and me had a chat. And we, because we were going to meet Milan Mandrich in his office. Okay. And uh, so before we went into the, the, the chairman's office, we, we had a chat with Frank. And he said, he, Frank turned around and said, What do you want to do? He said, Do you want to be the manager or do you want me to be the manager? 
And I turned around to Frank and said, Frank, you're the most experienced man here. You should have it, and I'll just back you up at every opportunity. Simple as that. And what will be, will be. We'll see how we'll get on. I said, I'm not ready for this at the minute. I know I wasn't. I literally, that was my first job. Right. In coaching. Great. And then from the thrust in, I wasn't ready. In my own head, I wasn't ready. Did either of the two of you, I mean, you and Frank, not have an opportunity to go along with Megson to Bolton? No. No, that was it. I was brought in for a reason. Right. And one reason. To appease only. the Leicester fans. Yeah, appease the Leicester fans, Joe. That was it. Can I ask you a question, Jerry? QPR, tracksuit or suit? Tracksuit. Okay, good lad. All day long. Did you put all the suits on? You didn't do all like... Well, I, I was sweating all over the show. <laughs> I, was that, I was that nervous. I was bricking it. Is there a remap for a manager what he's got to wear by any chance? Just... Knowing Jerry, and you can correct me, Jerry, if I'm, I'm wrong, but knowing you, you'd probably didn't feel like a proper manager. So Correct. your tracks are the same as the boys. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Because that's yeah. where you think I you wasn't, are. I wasn't. I wasn't. I was just filling the hole for somebody else to fill. You know, and it would have been nice for them to go on and and learn the ropes yeah. under a manager. And then you make that step. You know what I mean? But it wasn't the be. Say the be. Still, a win's a win. A win's a win. You've got that in your CV, though. Yeah. You know, club you. Club that's close to your heart. Yeah, no, You've absolutely. managed them, you've got yeah. a win. Yeah. Help them out. Help them time. out. Yeah, that's all it was, helping yeah. them out, mate. Yeah. I think in both ways, just for the Gary Benson one, you're helping them out there, knowing you were there for a little face. <clears throat> yeah. Still did it for the club, didn't you? For yeah. The people. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And good to get the experience yourself as well. Yeah. No, uh, no it was a great yeah. experience, yeah. you know, but short-lived. Let's chat Oldham. Oh, did you end up this is where I fucking start getting shakes now. <laughs> oh, we make it quick. Well, where's that injection? <laughs> quick. How the hell did Paul you get to hold him? Yeah. Paul Dickoff. Paul Dickoff. So Dickie was back playing. I was I was still coaching. So I'd gone back and after it all been sorted out, Nigel had come in at the end of the season. He overhauled and he signed Paul Dickoff. And I was still coaching doing the stiffs, 21s, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Reserves. Yeah, and Dickie was playing. And then he got a chance. He was coming in. He got a chance. He gone to Blackpool and this, that, and the other. And we we we'd obviously played together at Leicester. And he was having a second stint, and he came in and asked me, "Did I want to leave?" And I didn't want to leave, but again, Leicester was on the verge of being sold to the Thai owners, right. and my contract wasn't being renewed. And Nigel Pearson ended up getting the sack. So I said to Nigel initially, I'll go and have a chat with Dickie. But I said, I don't, I don't want to leave. I don't want to have to travel up the Oldham all the time. Because I love it here. I love it at Leicester. I love my job. It's good for me at the minute where I am in my coaching career. It's great for me, this. I just need a few more players to try and get a team. Because there was no league sorted out then, back in 2010. There was no like under-21 Premier League or any other kind of under-21 league. So I went up and spoke to Dickie, and on my way up, Nigel, phoned me, Nigel Pearson said, oh, listen, Tags, just get yourself out. Uh, they're sacking me. They're going to sack me. And I'm like, you're joking me. Because my they weren't going to renew my contract. So 
he was basically stripping everything down, Mandrich, and starting a clean slate with the new owners. And uh, so I went up to see Dickie, and I'm like, Dickie, yeah, bloody bad. I didn't tell him what I knew, but I got on the phone to Lee Hughes, was the the chief exec at Leicester at the time, and I spoke to him. I said, why, why, have you, why are you not renewing my contract at Leicester? You know, I've been here eight and a half years as a player and a coach. He said, I pulled you out of the ship when Megson left. Uh, bloody, bloody, blah. He said, so why are you just like, that's it, see you later? And he was he was like shocked, saying, oh, eight and a half years? You've been here eight and a half years? And I'm like, this twat doesn't even know anything about me. Or, you know, my playing days at the club. Your or, stature at the club. Yeah. yeah. It, it was quite unbelievable, really. So he turned around then and said, well, why don't you come back in and we'll, we'll have a chat about renegotiation. And, and by that stage... Done, isn't it? I'd done. I'd, I'd give my word to Dickie. That I become right. his assistant, but that's probably not with Dick, not Dickie's fault. But I mean, that was just was it a shit show? Oh, the best man, way to put it, show, yeah. Put all massive capitals, mega, <laughs> mega shit show, it's mega big. shit show. And you see where old them are now. You know they're even deeper. If you can go even deeper, they, they probably were non-league when we joined and when they were in League One. But you beg, be stolen, borrow from any manager you know. Playing, paying minimum amount of wages for players that were on, you know, five, six, five figures a week. Six, well, one, two, three. Yeah, five figures a week at, at higher clubs, you know, championship clubs, or four figures a week, the high four figures a week, you're paying £500 a week wages for them. But the only stipulation is you've got to play them. So what Lee Crofter is a perfect example. Crofter, great lad. Size of a fucking bear barrel, right? Lazy fucker. Didn't really want to, you know, good footballer, lovely bloke, but his heart just wasn't in it. But we had to play him because he was on multiple thousands a week at Derby. We were paying him £500, Derby £500 a week, but we had to play him. So I'm saying to Dickie, we'll play him for five minutes and then get the fucker off. And get somebody on who wants to run about, but you know it doesn't look it doesn't always work like that. Who were the owners there at the time? Uh, Simon Corney. Yeah. Well, Simon Corney and Simon Blitz. I think Simon Blitz had just left when I came in, so Simon Corney was like the sole owner then. And was he looking to sell the club? Yeah, then? always. So there was no investment. They were whatsoever. always looking to sell the club. Yeah. Always. You know, I think they went through this stage where. They thought they were going to get planning permission to build a big retail park, develop the stand at the far side, which was all hollow and just, you know, open air. And that didn't come off of them in the planning. And so ever since then, Blitz said, I'm out. And Corny was left holding the baby, so to speak. And this baby just wouldn't stop crying and crying. So, and eventually, you know, you get your comeuppance. There's only so much... There's only so many people prepared to let you pick, pick their pockets. You know what I mean? You're asking for favours every week, aren't you? Absolutely, mate. And I'll tell you, I have to say, though, Sir Alex Ferguson was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. You know, he gave us a couple of players. He gave us a keeper. Uh, ben, bloody hell, I can't remember his name. I'm terrible with my names. But he gave us a couple of players. He was brilliant, Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, and, and if you, you know... Nigel Clough at Derby. Uh, we got 
uh, couple of players on loan from Blackburn on minimal money. Forrest, centre forward, Matt. I think he went on to play for Blackburn and Rotherham, centre forward, can't remember. Johnson. Huh? No. Derbyshire. Derbyshire. Matt Derbyshire. No, Derbyshire. Yep. no Dale Stevens. What so we have, we give uh Tarkovsky his debut. Yeah. Big Tarkey's now playing at Everton. So anytime you had a player who was any decent, straight out the door, bang, gone, bang, gone. Money not back in the squad. Ah, no, no, no. You never say that. You never say that. Never say that. Wouldn't say anything. Well, we're coming to the end, Jerry. I've got a couple of questions for you. Right. Best manager played under <clears throat> Martin O'Neill, hands down. Highlights of your career. There's two. You can have two. I've told you. If it's Wednesday, it's Wednesday, Jerry. I always say, as a young lad growing up, you know, there's two things you want to do, is make your debut for your country and win a cup of Wembley and walk up them steps in the Royal Barks and do that. That I don't think you can beat. But I also have to say, going back to our Bolton days, that you know, what we achieved winning the title and the way we won the title in in 97, that that will always stay with me. So that's that's right up there as well. Hardest centre-forward you've come against? That could be fast, hard, just... The best player yeah. ever that I've played against is Dennis Bergkamp. He liked Leicester, didn't he? The hardest player, without a shadow of a doubt, is Billy Whitehurst. You remember this, man? I do, yeah. I do. And closely followed by Mick Hartford. 57 games for Northern Ireland. Yeah, what was a highlight game apart from your debut? Yeah, so obviously your debut is like a momentous occasion, yeah. and, and and again, I'm a, I I always had a, a, on a Sunday night you met up for Northern Ireland at this little chimney corner hotel in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't a shit hotel, but it wasn't glamorous, and down the cor down the path about hundred yards was a local boozer out in the middle of nowhere. It was on the side of a road. You, you wouldn't go in there. Unless you were staying in a hotel, you wouldn't go in this boozer. And when it turned up, you turned up at six, dinner at seven, usual. And then you see all the lads going out the door, all Alan McDonald, Nigel Worthington, Mal Donaghy, you know, and so on and so forth. And you go, where are you going, lads? Oh, we're just going down to the pub for a few pints. Are you coming? And I'll never forget sitting in that pub when I met up for the first time, sitting at the bar with all these guys. You know, you'd grown up watching and just thinking, fuck me, this is incredible. It's a real moment. Ah, oh, incredible. But you didn't want to leave, did you? <laughs> well, well, no, uh, yeah, but then you got a few dodgy managers down the road, but that's another... That's no, I meant the pub that night. Oh, no, the pub, yeah, no, it was great. It was great, absolutely great. And then, and then playing, you know, you turn up for your first game and you're fucking playing alongside John, Mc, John McClelland. Big you John, know, yeah. Big John McClelland, legend, Northern Ireland legend. Mal Danagy's playing. Fuck me, yeah. Nigel Worthington's left back. Unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, that, that's. I'd say. Another good moment I had was scoring against Germany in Germany for Northern Ireland, nineteen ninety six. Probably my best goal ever. Half volley. Probably better in the the goal the 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 goal at Burnham Park the last game at Burnham Park. That's against the Germans in Germany Nuremberg, 
55,000. The ball just comes to me on the half volley at the edge of the box. Bang. Woo! Get in. Absolute screamer. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, that, that's that's right up there. There wouldn't have been any celebrations that night, would there have been? Well, <laughs> I don't know if I can say this. Well, I can because it's yeah. so, it's the best part about that trip was the mixed saunas in the hotel. <laughs> and everyone was naked in the saunas. I mean, that was an eye-opener. <laughs> So that was a that was a double double win. Yeah, I've got memories from that night. Double, yeah. double win, icing on win. the cake. Yeah. Right? Score a screamer and see a screamer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. double win, mixed saunas, naked saunas in in Germany. Well, Jerry, you've been an absolute pleasure. I mean, it's been unbelievable, and it's it, some of the stories there. You've just rekindled some of my memories yeah. as well. But honestly, what a stalwart, what a servant to every club you played for. Yeah. Uh, Stand-up guy, to. respect, honestly, the respect is unbelievable. You talked about Mamba, you talked about everyone else in there. Respect's a two-way street. Yeah, And absolutely. you've got the respect all your fellow players as well, as much yeah. as you give back. So, well, again, about, yeah. you've been a pleasure, and thank you. No worries, John. My pleasure, mate. Cheers, Liam. Oh, I don't know. He's not finished yet. Oh, OK. Just to end now... <laughs> you no, you'll that. cut that. Oh, no, you can get stuffed. <laughs> We've got my rapid fire 15, Jerry. Oh, okay. Now it's pretty much just simple. Yeah, it's I or no or, or a one line answer. Rory McElroy or Tiger Woods? Tiger. You surprised me there. Just, yeah. What did I say? You said. I said he'd go Rory. Yeah. The opener of the Masters. It's got to be the Masters. Burnden Park or the Reebok Stadium? Burnden Park, hands down. All, all day, day long. long. And twice on Sundays. You've answered this one. Favourite manager? Martin O'Neill. Closely followed by Torrey, I think. Favourite holiday destination? Italy. Mm. Favourite golf horse, horse played? Black Lomond. Nice one. Best golfing footballer? Callum Davison. Hits a mile, doesn't he? Ronaldo or Messi? Messi. Best stadium played in? Wembley. Old Wembley. Barnsley or Leicester? Nasty Don't sit on the fence. That's a nasty question. Don't sit on the fence. That's back. My, 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 my heart's saying Barnsley and my head's saying Leicester. That's good enough. Lynx or Parkland golf? Parkland. Filbert Street or the King Power Stadium? Filbert Street, all day long and twice on Sundays. Agreed. Hole in one? Two. Every week's the same. <laughs> we ain't had nothing. <laughs> and you've answered this one. Old or new Wembley? Old Wembley. Definitely. Last one, Ryder Cup or the Open? Ryder Cup, all day long. Greatest sporting tournament in the world. Unbelievable. Again, Jerry, thank you very much. Pleasure. Legend. Pleasure. Yes, legend. Pleasure.